What is up? You are listening to Brute McVeigh's Wrestling Review. I almost forgot the title because it's been so long since we did one. I am your host, Brute McVeigh, here with my co-host, as always, DJ Convoy. What's up, man? What is up, folks? Uh, it's great to talk to you, Brute. We haven't talked in a while, and my apologies because I have blown off the last couple of uh, recording sessions. So it's a new year. We're revitalized. We're recharged. We're here, raring to go. Yeah, and plus I tried to replace you and no one would do it. So you're back and uh, we're loving it. I, I'm used to being second best, so that, that's no problem. Well, we have a story about being second best today. We're going to get back to our roots. We're going to dive into a 1989, the June of 1989 edition of Inside Wrestling, featuring on the cover Ricky's Steamboat delivering a right hand to the NWA world champion, Ric Flair, as the referee grimaces in the background. It's a great picture. I need to send it to you real quick. It sounds good. Yeah. I think in I can our, do that uh, through Skype, maybe. In our, yeah, see if, see if it'll send over. Uh, yeah, here we in go. Our, in our extensive um, pre-show meeting, I, oh yeah, there it is. Oh yeah, that's a fantastic cover. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, in our extensive uh, pre-show meeting, I specifically asked you if this was Shy Town Rumble, and you instantly said yes. So I'm very happy to be covering this, and you know I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll be uh, waxing poetic about it because obviously this is one of the greatest North American matches uh, probably ever. The only trouble in my mind is that it's like one of the three key uh, Flair Steamboat matches, so kind of all blends together for me after a while i mean obviously this is you know you know uh 30 some odd years ago so yeah yeah that's the problem with this stuff now like you've watched so much wrestling yeah from so many companies and you remember the legend of it but for me i was four years old when this happened so i would have been renting the vhs's around yeah. 91 92 so I have vague memories, but man, I loved Ricky Steamboat. I had his action figures. I loved everything about him. He had like the dragon gimmicks just cool off the bat. He when was I'm, a good guy. He was yeah. always a good guy, and he did cool martial arts moves. So there was a lot to cheer for as a kid. When I was a kid, um, the, you know, the first go around, I wasn't, I, I, we've talked about it before, I wasn't a huge wrestling fan as a little kid, and my parents would watch it from time to time. When they would watch it, um, you know, like in that kind of 1986 corridor or so, yeah, I thought Ricky Steamboat was the coolest guy ever. To my, <laughs> we, we always end up admitting something embarrassing on the show. To my ever embarrassed regret, uh, a certain person in my life once said something about Ricky Steamboat and that he was clearly on steroids. And I said, I was pretty naive. And I said, no, he's not on steroids. He, he, He's a good guy. He wouldn't take steroids. He wouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, this person in my life never fails to uh, point this out whenever we see a Ricky Steamboat match, particularly from 1989, where he's uh, pretty yoked up. So, uh, you know, I always think that in the back of my mind. Like, first I'll be like, oh, boy, Ricky Steamboat. And then I'll think, oh, yeah, I'm the idiot who thought that I, he would never take any shortcuts. So No, he would, Ricky wouldn't you know, do that. If I, if I have any opinions during the show, uh, weigh that against the fact that I just admitted to you that I thought that he would never take any kind of uh, <laughs> vitamins, let's say. <laughs> yes. So um, in January of 89, little background, Steamboat has made his comeback to and return to the NWA on the January 21st edition of World Championship Wrestling. 
He was the surprise tag team partner of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert against NWA champion Ric Flair and Barry Windham in a tag match that saw Steamboat pin Flair. This earned him a shot at the title at Chi Town Rumble. And that's where this um, edition of Inside Wrestling picks up. We have um, the recap of this match where finally fortune favors the challenger. Rick Steamboat wins Ric Flair's NWA belt (laughs) by Stu Sachs, who we seem to come back to week after week. When the boss is on it himself, you know that things are going down. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. He's taking this cherry cherry, uh, aside with himself. We have a sidebar that says, For eight years, Ric Flair has been the best and luckiest wrestler in the NWA. But on February 20th, in Chicago, his luck ran out. Ironically, luckless Rick Steamboat was right there to take advantage and win his first world title. Not a ringing endorsement of the champion. Luckless, luckless Rick Steamboat. Yeah, it makes it sound like he's some kind of like Saturday night, you know, underneath guy, but okay. Yeah. Um, the scene has been repeated so often over the past eight years that it's come to be expected, whether by disqualification, managerial interference, the mistimed leap of an un fortunate challenger or the intervention of a referee or official rick flair gets lucky and saves his nwa world title so right (laughs) off the bat like a little bit of a inside kayfabe thing on the booking but also keeping it in storyline yes weaving it together that's good yeah that was well done yeah lady luck and champion flair in fact have walked hand in hand since 1981 more so over the past few years as Flair's overall ability has weakened slightly, while the mm-hmm. challengers have gotten younger and stronger. <laughs> One of the more common sights in NWA championship matches has been Flair lying prone on the mat and the challenger <laughs> covering him for the pin while the referee, knocked out in the collision moments earlier, lay a few feet away. Now, now on, hold, on, hold on for yeah. one thing, Brute. Imagine that he's talking about Ric Flair's abilities waning and his competition getting younger and stronger. Folks, this is 1989, Ric Flair we're talking about. Ric Flair is, of course, at his absolute apex, his zenith, if you will. But he's going to go on to have a productive wrestling career in ring for another good 15 years after this. You're, you're not wrong, but I can see them, you know, a sports writer going for that angle yes. of the guy who's been champion so long. Sure. As people are catching up to him, you know. That's like the easiest story to write. You know, yeah, is it man. Tom Brady's last ride? Is he finally too old? You know, they love I just to do find that, that funny stuff. in 1989. It's like he's going to hold the belt uh, another, you know, what, six, seven times, I think. Something ridiculous like that. Well, Terry Funk had already retired twice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fair point. <laughs> um, it says, but on February 20th, Flair's uh, ran out of luck. Again, a referee, Tommy Young, was knocked out in a collision, apparently saving Flair from certain defeat. But substitute referee Teddy Long entered the ring and made the count that gave Rick Steamboat his first ever world championship. It was a moment to be cherished. Let's see, now I have to flip over to page 58. (laughs) This is a cover story. (laughs) Why are they burying it in the back of the magazine? Good job's too. All right, continued from page 35. With 22 minutes expired, Steamboat leapt off the top rope and onto Flair, who inadvertently crashed into Young and knocked him out. 
steamboat covered flair for the pin, but then realized there was no referee making the count and frantically tried to revive Young. The champion was dazed, but he had enough presence of mind to grab Steamboat by the trunks and cradle him for another uncounted pin. So it seems like we had two visual pins back to back here. That's that sound that squares my memory of it. Yeah. Flair then lifted Steamboat, raked his eyes, and threw <laughs> him out of the ring. I love that. That's it's like the I'm going to throw you out, but I don't want you to see where you're going. <laughs> uh, Steamboat, however, grabbed the top rope and managed to lift himself back up onto the apron while Flair and Long attempted to revive Young. As Flair turned his attention back to the ring, Steamboat leapt off the top rope in an attempt to catch the champion off guard. The champ moved out of the way, and Steamboat crashed to the mat in pain. Flair was now in control and apparently ready to put away the dragon. But as he proceeded to apply a figure four leg lock, Steamboat flipped him over and cradled him for the pin. Long bounded into the ring and made the three count, igniting a wild celebration from the crowd and tears of joy from Steamboat's face. Teddy Long's a good referee, too. So, man, that's a real, just all, all forces just kind of just converging to make a really just, you know, an all-time classic match. And it is, uh, I'd like yourself, I probably saw this first on VHS, um, especially my, the height of my WCW fan in 97, 98. Um, I started, you know, hunting for old tapes like this. And yeah, I mean, we must have watched this a zillion times since the advent of the network and file sharing. I probably watched it a zillion more times since just a perfectly booked, you know, and yeah, the Stu's uh, kind of shade at uh, Flair, both in reality and in uh, kayfabe there. Yeah, Ric Flair is absolutely booked at this point to be the guy holding on just by his fingernails. And yeah, Steamboat finally overcoming. The only problem I would say here. I don't know if Steamboat's the guy you want as champion, not because he's not good or anything, but he's just so much more effective at being the chaser instead of being the chain. But, you know, that you could say that about any babyface, but Steamboat's kind of like the archetype of babyfaces. So, you know, I don't know. That being said, it makes you wonder what kind of plan they had, considering Steamboat comes back in January, wins the title in February. So it wasn't a long chase. Um, I feel and like also, Flair's call, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? I mean, I, I bet you anything, Flair's call um, do this. It, it might not have been Flair's call, but it didn't go, it didn't happen without Flair's okay. Well, yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't claim to be a, a really knowledgeable person about 1988, 1987 NWA, but it appears that, you know, Stu is saying that <laughs> this has been the same story in Flair's matches, just constant <laughs> ref bumps. Yeah. And in this one, we get a ref bump with two uh, visual pins. Yeah. And then the ref, who's not the original ref, making the pin for like yeah. another out. So th there's a lot going on here. I think this is the point of time, too, where uh, I, I believe Hiro Matsuda might be Ric Flair's manager, if I recall. He was. He yeah. was with him in this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the JTEX Corporation. So, yeah. Everything Flair is doing at this point is just, yeah, relying on heel interference from the manager and so forth. So, yeah, um, you know, you might you might not be an expert. I, I've certainly gone back and educated myself about this. And like once once like cheap DVDs were able to be bought, like the first thing I did was basically bought all of 19, you know, all, all available 1980s NWA. So I immersed myself in this. But the person that is an expert was actually someone who's there that night. And his name was Dave Meltzer. Ooh. And 
whenever I watch this match these days, I basically just watch Dave in the crowd. He is front and center on the hard camera side and watch the joy of Dave throughout this match. He, uh, he really surrenders himself to this match and he is jumping up and down and grimacing for every big bump. And uh, he, yeah. he is just a fan in this. It, and, uh, it's into it. Um, and He's also super- into it, it says, uh, after the tears of joy from Steamboat's face, where's my wife and son? He uh, shouted <laughs> into the microphone in a scene reminiscent of the last moments of the movie Rocky, when Rocky Balboa bathed in sweat and blood, searched the crowd for his wife. But there was a difference. Balboa lost and Steamboat won. The picture of Steamboat cradling his young son was not one to be forgotten. I've had great moments in my life and career, but next to the day Bonnie and I got married and the day little Ricky was born, this is the greatest, said Steamboat. What a baby face. <laughs> um, as, as he stood in front of his locker addressing the press. I have a lot of respect for Ric Flair as an athlete, and that's why this victory means even more. You know, I've seen Flair do a lot of rotten things sure. <laughs> in, in this day, but tonight he wrestled like a man. If this makes me the best wrestler in the world, he's the second best. On the other side of the building, Flair was consoled by the fact that he wrestled in one of the greatest world title matches of all time. What do you mean, one of the best, Flair said. (laughs) (laughs) This was the best. I'm proud to say that I was a part of it. And Rick Steamboat, you're one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever faced. I hope you defend that belt with honor, but let me tell you something. I just want to see you do that again. A lot of other people have pinned me once, but they've never been able to do it a second time. I am the greatest NWA world champion of all time. And don't you forget it. Ooh, I like that promo. <laughs> That's a fact. Well, it's funny because I normally, like, especially nowadays, I really hate the put over promo at the end. Like, oh, my opponent was so great. It really bugs me. But Steamboat saying it, one, you know he's being genuine about it because he really does respect Ric Flair and they're really close. So, and yeah, just the ultimate baby face, you know, it's the second best thing, you know, since the, birth of my kid and marrying like yeah dad's you know just the quintessential baby face absolutely well said and so finishing up this article it says how appropriate then that the man who might be the greatest nwa champion of all time wrestled in one of the greatest title matches ever there may have been longer bouts this one only lasted 23 minutes six seconds but none more entertaining exciting or emotionally exhausting for the wrestlers and the fans in fact, it took only 21 seconds for Steamboat to football tackle Flair and cover him for the first two <laughs> count of the match. There would be many more. Only 38 seconds later, Steamboat sunset flipped Flair for another two count, forcing the champ to go into a stall. Then Flair re-entered the ring, gained momentum three times within a 30-second period. Steamboat's shoulders were pressed to the mat, but he came back again and again and yet again. That's the way it went all night. Here's a quote. I've never seen the momentum switch so many times in one match, Steamboat said. It's almost like there wasn't any such thing as momentum in this match because nobody had the advantage long enough. This match was everything I had hoped it would be. I wanted to come back and wrestle a great match against Flair, and he was certainly up to it. The win ended 13 years of frustration for Steamboat, who hadn't wrestled for a world title since he lost a controversial decision to Flair, on May 29, 1984. So, wow. Yeah, five years here. Um, his stint in the WWF was disappointing. It took him nearly two years to win the Intercontinental title, but only two months for him to lose it to the vastly <laughs> inferior honky tonk man. 
He left the Federation having never wrestled for the world title. Well, now, see, less than one year later. Oh, go ahead. No, that speaks to what I said. That he's better chasing than the one holding the belt. I mean, that's exactly what I was saying. Uh, this is now less than one year after he had announced his retirement from wrestling. Rick Steamboat is living his dream. Luck, it finally seems, is walking with the dragon. Tusak's really hitting the luck aspect of this. So are, are we going to believe that it was not his skill that won, but rather just luck? Yeah, that is a, a little weird. I can see, you know, referencing a little bit of luck maybe, but yeah, a little heavy That's on it, but a, a pretty good article yeah, overall. No, no. no, that was pretty good. So we have another uh, perspective here from this, and this is, in fact, the aforementioned Dave Meltzer. And listeners, uh, hopefully you'll pr- appreciate the fact that I'm going to sacrifice my eyes to you here <laughs> as I look at a poor scan of a poor mimeographed copy of The Observer from 1989. You're doing important work here. Yeah, well, absolutely. Dave, of course, um, was there, but he's not watched the match back yet on pay-per-view. So he's going to give us his live uh, comments here. And there's something that right away I see that's kind of interesting, but it probably just speaks more to the crowd than anything else. He says, he gives us the results first. Steamboat pinned Flair in 2318 to win the NWA title. There's not a lot that can be said about this match except that we went in for the weekend specifically because we expected the best match of the year and it far exceeded our expectations. When Flair came out, he was 100% cheered and probably the best ring entrance I've ever seen, complete with models and a trumpet player. I don't remember that. (laughs) I don't think this was acknowledged on TV, but the blonde lady who gave him the rose before the match is his real-life wife, Beth. Steamboat was cheered more than booed, although he wasn't cheered like Flair. In fact, there were sporadic chants of Steamboat sucks. Although by the end of the match, there were loud chants of Steamboat, Steamboat, as he caught Flair in the figure four. So that's very interesting that Flair has been doing nothing but heat getting finishes for the past year, basically. Uh, Getting by by the skin of his teeth. And then he comes out to this, and he's 100% cheered. So that kind of speaks to the uh, the greatness of Ric Flair here. Although, yeah, by know, that point, he's kind of yeah. reached. It's yeah. hard to boo him status. Well, right. You, he, you love to hate him at this point. So, yeah, you just, you just go ahead and cheer him. So that's going to be a problem for Flair for pretty much the rest of his career, that he can't really be a heel the way he used to be a heel. But Dave continues here. Um Let's see. Since Flair was losing the title, Flair was far more aggressive than usual. When Flair is at his peak, and he was here, there is nobody in the business even on his level. And in 1989, I would certainly agree with that. The chops both guys threw were incredible. I don't want to go overboard on the superlatives for this match, except most of the readers I talked with. And even the wrestlers backstage were watching like marks, from what I was told. And several said things like it was the best match of the past 10 years or the best match in years, or words to that effect. The finish saw Steamboat come off the top rope for the crossbody block. Flair put ref Tommy Young, the best referee of all time, in my opinion, and Steamboat hit both with the move. So I think what he's trying to say here is that he he put Tommy in front of him. They both get hit, and they had both pinned for several seconds. Too bad Teddy Long didn't get out there quicker and count the fall, because then Steamboat would have been world champion but also head referee i had no idea the referees the referee's job was on the line amazing 
Huh. Teddy Long came in. Flair tried to pin Steamboat using the trunks, but no go. Then Flair went for the figure four. Bear with me here as I flip past. There we are. It's not in order. Uh, Steamboat cradled him, and one, two, three. Teddy Long raised Steamboat's hand. A groggy Tommy Young got up, and there was that tense moment where everyone expected the dreaded dusty finish, since after all, <laughs> Young had been thrown into the Steamboat by Flair. Steamboat had splashed Young, and Flair had thrown Steamboat over the top rope. But Young raised Steamboat's hand. Steamboat started crying. Here comes his wife and son. It was amazing. Five stars. Five stars. Yep. Didn't all three of their uh, matches end up being five-star matches? I really want to say one of them got the dreaded five-star plus that would drive so many people Ooh. crazy later on down the line, but I cannot remember which one that would be. I know well, Flair has said um, in interviews that this particular match was really good, obviously, but that this wasn't anything compared to some of the matches he and Steamboat had. And obviously, he and Steamboat probably literally had a couple hundred matches together or, you know, something along those lines. And that always kind of amuses me. Uh, we were just talking about that the other day. In fact, uh, like Shawn Michaels and Razor would talk about how, like, you know, the ladder match, if only you'd seen the ladder matches on the house show circuit, it was so much better than the one on pay-per-view. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> when Flair says that, I mean, I, I take it with a bit of grain of salt, but yeah, I mean, this was for a long time. Um, and again, I qualify as saying North America. This was the, the, the absolute litmus of uh, great matches. And you know, still is, it still holds up. Um, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, it does kind of blur together with some of the other ones. So, you know, and you know, that's a little heavy handed with the ref bumps and stuff. But, you know, yeah. I kind of got to expect that sort of thing. Yeah, that's just the way it was. You yeah. know, sometimes yeah. when you get to the top, you got to protect yourself. And sure. uh well, we hope you enjoyed listening along. Uh, two of my favorite wrestlers from my youth. Um, but we also have a little bonus segment here. We have Inside Wrestling's official ratings from the June 1989 edition. So I'm going to let you guess who the number one on their top 15 is. See, that's interesting because Steamboat is now the world champion. Yeah. But... I bet it's Flair. Is it Flair? It's Randy Savage, the Whoa! WWF World Champion. Wow. It's Rick Steamboat at two, Rick Flair at three, and Hulk Hogan at four. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I certainly have no problem with uh, 1989 Macho Man being number one. He is uh, number one in my heart, certainly. We move to number five, the U.S. Champion Lex Luger. Number six, the Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior. Number seven, Barry Windham, the number one contender to the U.S. title. Yes. No, number eight, Sting, the n ranked number three for the NWA title. Number nine, Jerry Lawler, the world-class really? champion. Yep. I number 10, Larry Zabisco, the AWA really? champion. I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised they had Lawler ahead of Zabisco. It's really interesting that both of them made the list, frankly. Uh, and I, I think I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like I love Larry uh, was a bit yeah and I love Jerry Lawler but uh, yeah it's well, just wait for 11 through 15 there's some interesting ones here this is the top 15 in the world I guess number 11 Mike Rotundo mm, okay the NWA TV champion I guess <laughs> by the 
Number 12, the number one contender for the NWA champ TV title, Rick Steiner. Okay, that's fair. Now we're getting to flavor country here. Number 13, <laughs> Dutch Mantel, the really? CWA champion. Sure. I don't even know what CWA is. So CWA is Memphis. Okay. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Number 14. He must be the number one contender to Lawler's world-class belt would be my guess is why he's listed there. Well, you can maybe you can explain number fourteen, the CWF champion Tom Pritchard. So CWF would be uh, Fuller's outfit, right? Continental, I think. I think I'm right in saying that. I have no idea, but I do know number fifteen, one half of the greatest tag team champions the USWA ever saw, <laughs> Brickhouse Brown, Brown yes. the WCCW <laughs> Texas champion, number fifteen, baby. With joy, <laughs> got a gambler reference in here on Absolutely. this episode. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do uh, the episode with me today. You have anything else before we sign off? Uh, not a thing. It's just good to get back on the uh, horse, and uh, next time, folks, we'll uh, we'll come up with something interesting for you. I think we we got some interesting ideas incubating away. There is definitely something growing inside of my brain. Is it a spider egg? Is it an idea? <laughs> Listen next week and find out. We'll see you then. <laughs>